0: The biggest reset of the Hipkins era so far appears to be the return of the Prime Minister to the Mike Hosking breakfast. So that's good. Chris Hipkins is with us. Very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, that's good. Uh, 10,000 retail crimes per month. You were the Minister of Police. What's gone wrong?
1: We have seen, and this is not just in New Zealand but internationally, a spike in retail and other types of crimes like it around the globe post-COVID-19. This isn't going to be your standard thing
0: all year, is it, Chris? It's the war, it's 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 the price of oil, it's retail crime, it's all over
1: the world. Well, but we can't ignore the fact that there's an international trend here, but actually the police have been cracking down on that and they've been quite successful in that regard. So if you look at ram raids, for example, the peak in ram raids was around September and they've actually been trending down since then. The number of ram raids has halved in January compared to the average um, from last year. So police are actually, you know, police have been doing their jobs. They've been going out, they've been finding the people responsible and they're prosecuting.
0: Yeah, but that's ram raids. It's uh, retail crime in total has gone in two years from 4,000 to 10,000, so that's going backwards. So they're not doing their job.
1: Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. I'd say that there's an increase in that level of crime and the police are following it up. They are finding those people, they're arresting them and they're prosecuting them.
0: What do you reckon has gone wrong? Why are people able to go into supermarkets, fill their trolleys, tell you to get stuffed when somebody asks you to pay for it and simply walk out? What's gone wrong with that society that that happens?
1: Um, look, I, I think those are very broad questions. There's no question that people are being more emboldened and retailers are reporting that people uh, are more why? emboldened um, in committing this type of criminal activity. Police are actually even more active in this space. It's not a, it's not a question of them not being police, because police are more active in this space now than they've been in some time. Um, they are actively following up on, on these cases and people are getting arrested and prosecuted. So there, there will be consequences for people who undertake that kind of criminal
0: I won't waste time on the specifics because you won't tell me. But is something to be announced post Cabinet today as regards something remotely to do with this so called bread and butter reset?
1: Um, We'll we'll be having conversations at Cabinet today about reprioritisation. And yes, I hope to share some further detail on that after Cabinet today. Something specific? Uh, Yes, there will be some specifics. All right. Will that have to do with
0: Radio New Zealand and Television New Zealand?
1: Oh, I thought you weren't going to ask me about the specifics. Mike, I got so much are. good.
0: I got so much good material from you in the last two <laughs> questions. I thought I'd just go hell for leather. Oh well, good on you. Everyone likes a tryer. Yeah, they do. So, so, all right. Let me talk to you about the merger in general. Say, for example, you announced today or some other day that it's not going ahead. How is it you've sat there for five years thinking it's a brilliant idea when the entire industry told you it was a dumb idea and you've only worked it out now?
1: Well, Mike, as you know, as someone who works in media, the media landscape's changed quite a lot. And TVNZ and RNZ, regardless of whether they merge or not, actually have to adapt to that. Um, Technology convergence and the the changing way people access content um, is going to have an impact on both TVNZ and RNZ. And they have to get their heads around that, regardless of whether they're one organisation or two.
0: Mm, Indeed. Couldn't they do that all by themselves, seeing they're both reasonably professional and proficient, they don't need people like you sticking your nose in?
1: Well, I think taxpayers want to know that the investment the government's making is delivering the the biggest bang for buck, and that means that you know we're investing in the right stuff. We're investing in quality content, um, and you know we've got to accept the fact that there's now a variety of different platforms people use to access that content.
0: Just for clarification's sake, I think you said it over the Waitangi weekend. You are not dropping Three Waters, are you? Three Waters is going to going ahead. May not be in its current form, but it is still going ahead. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, the question is, uh, will water infrastructure be reformed? Yes, absolutely, because our water infrastructure is right. failing, and I don't think any government can responsibly sure. just turn their backs on that. Will it have a Maori component? Um, as I've said, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not going to get ahead of the discussion. We are going to look at whether we've got the structure right um, and whether there are further changes that need to be made to that. The
0: reason I asked that question is Willie Jackson said something I thought really interesting yesterday. He said, David Seymour and Christopher Luxon have successfully transitioned a section of the New Zealand public into thinking that it's all part of a Maori takeover. Is he right?
1: Um, I I think they've certainly elevated concern in that area. Um, And, uh, you know, to some extent, um, you know, I think some of that's been unfair. But we have to um, make sure that we're bringing the public with us in any changes that we make.
0: Indeed. But what he says is the ship, his words, the ship sailed on explaining co-governance to the public. Is he right?
1: Um, I think Willie's um, very engaged in these issues, and he, he's raised some pretty good points about it. So the ship has sailed? Um, look, as I said, I'm not going to get ahead of decisions that we haven't yet made.
0: Well, I'm not talking about a decision. I'm just talking about the idea that the ship has sailed. You've lost the argument.
1: Well, I think in, if you look at co-governance around three waters, people don't really a- understand what that means. Ah, they know they don't like that's it. That's the crux of my question. Really Do you, it is, it, is
0: it they don't understand it, or they don't like it, and the ship has sailed?
1: look, Mike, one of the things that I've said as as Prime Minister, I want to make sure that people understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and that we bring people with us clearly on the three waters. Um, There are in large areas of that, we, we haven't brought people with us, and so that does, I think, require us to take pause for a bit and and look again at, at how we move forward so that we can actually uh, get public confidence in the reform programme.
0: We did a thing yesterday on tourism. There are 80,000 people short going into Christmas. It was 13,000 down, so it's gone up 13,000 over the Christmas summer period. Are you going to do anything specific about the crisis in labour in terms of tourism and hospo?
1: Yeah, we keep immigration under review. Immigration. Of yeah, course,
0: no more than under review. Answer, Michael Wood says, the the says that the system. same. He says, "Oh, I'm constantly looking. Looking doesn't solve the problem. Are you moving it or not?"
1: Well, we made some changes. Just yeah, no more changes year. because it's and now
0: gone to eighty thousand people. That's what we're moving forward here, Chris. It's eighty thousand people short. Are you going to move more?
1: Never, never. I'd never take that off. further changes off the table.
0: So you're in. You're you're in favour of loosening immigration.
1: Like I said, it's not the only thing that's going to solve the labour shortage problem that we've got. Um, and actually, it comes with some other challenges with it as well. You know, we've, we can't have unsustainable population growth, so we've got to balance that up. If you look at this pressure on our infrastructure, on our housing and so on, um, population growth um, that isn't controlled is going to exacerbate
0: those problems. But that's, that's at the extreme end of the spectrum. When you're 80,000 short in one sector, surely the settings are too tight.
1: Um, there are other factors at play there too. Um, you know there are people out there looking for work, um and potentially there'll be more of those if, if the economic forecasters are to believe. Um but also you know there, there's been wage pressure, and that that is putting pressure on businesses to pay people more in order to attract people.
0: Do you think we'll have a recession this year?
1: Um, look, I'm optimistic about our future um, as a country. I'm not going to I'm not going to p- place a bet one way or the other around recession. I think um, it's it's possible for us to talk our prospects up um, and actually minimise the damage of the economic downturn that's affecting the globe. Um, and that's certainly what I'll be aiming to do.
0: Have you seen the Federated Farmers survey of mood on the land?
1: Uh, I haven't seen that one
0: yet, no. 65% consider economic conditions to be bad, and net 28% of farms are reported profitable. Only 28% of our farms are reported to be profitable. Why do you think that is?
1: Uh, like I said, Mike, I haven't seen the report, so I don't want to. Well, you don't on need to see it. It's only, to, only 28%
0: of it. our farms are profitable. Why aren't farms profitable in a farming country, do you think?
1: Um, Look, like I said, I haven't had the opportunity to look at that or to consider in detail the um, the findings of it.
0: Could it be too many rules, too many regulations, too much government in the paddock?
1: Uh, no, I don't necessarily accept that. Um, I think that you know New Zealand actually has some of the least regulation when it comes to the farming sector in the world. Um, so I, you know, I, I, like I said, but I, I don't want to comment on it in detail until I've had a chance to see it.
0: All right, the cost of living payment your government handed out three hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, inland Revenue have written to eighty thousand people. How many do you think have replied, paying it back?
1: I I, I don't have that information. Two thousand seven hundred and seventy-two.
0: Is that a good number that. or not a good number?
1: Oh, look, I'd I'd certainly like it to be more. If people got the payment that shouldn't have got it, then they should pay it back.
0: Should Island Revenue be writing 80,000 letters to people who shouldn't have got the money? Should the government have not paid those people money in the first place? Especially if the government doesn't have have the money to give in the first place?
1: I I I think that was well canvassed at the time. Um, the cost of living payment was designed to get financial support out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, and some people, uh, you know, and it is a small proportion of those who received the payment um, may not have been eligible for that. Mm. And so Inland Revenue are following that up.
0: And that's that's justifiable, is it? That they now spend um, all their time writing to 80,000 people asking for the money back at only 2,772 gibbet.
1: It's certainly a far from
0: ideal situation. Appreciate your time as always. Chris Hipkins, Prime Minister with us.